Welcome, everyone. I am very happy to uh, say that we have some guests here. We have a uh, couple people who have been on SAG-AFTRA negotiating committees in the past, and they've served. And also, we have someone who served as the past vice president of the Los Angeles Division of Screen Actors Guild, and we have a current vice president of Los Angeles Screen Actors Guild, as well as a current negotiating uh, committee member for Screen Actors Guild. So, once again, starting with our ex committee members, we're going to go with. Uh, we have a. Uh, Kitty Swink and Armin Shimmerman here. So thank you for joining Yay. us. And our current uh, vice president of the Los Angeles chapter of Screen Actors Guild, Michelle Hurd. And Michelle Hurd also serves in, I, Michelle, just name the other things. You said all the different committees. Can you just tell me? And because there's so many different categories, there might be new categories now. Um, yeah. I'm the national vice president of Los Angeles out because there is also a vice president of Los Angeles. So I don't want that person okay. to get mad be like, Michelle, you took my title. Like I didn't Got take it. nobody's title. <laughs> Um, okay. so she, I'm the national vice president yes. of Los Angeles. Yes. Also, yes. Yes. And, and, um, I'm on the, uh, I'm also the chair of the sexual harassment prevention committee. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, there's quite a, a bunch of committees I'm on. I, I don't even want to name them all. It's just the, okay. the things, the working class, the working stuff that we do for our union. Um, yeah. but I'm also part of the, the, the negotiating committee, um, that has gotten us to this spot in time right now. <laughs> Got you. Okay. Well, we just want to take this time to just start talking a little bit about exactly the ramifications of this strike, especially when it comes to the actual attending of conventions, because that's a lot of our fans yeah. that are watching this. So we, yeah. we would like to um, let people know that this is not the end of, of the world, because I think a lot of people are afraid that actors aren't even going to show up at all now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yes. Thank you, Garrett, for that uh, this opportunity. Um, so I want to encourage our 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 Trekkies, our fam, mm -hmm. um, that we are doing everything we can to safeguard the cons because, as we all know, um, the cons don't have anything to do with the studios, with the AMPTP, the ones that we are attending. Um, I will say that if there is any con that has a studio affiliated with it that sponsors it, um, our SAG after actors are not allowed to. Uh, attend them. And there's a real reason for this. We, you know, the AMPTP is doing just fine financially. We do not need to help them out anymore. We don't need to show any more eyes to their their platforms. We don't need to put any more money in their pockets. They need to understand that we are important and without us, they, they actually will um, falter. Uh, now, on that other side is that we have no desire whatsoever to take away the um, the gift that we all experience when we do these cons, which is to interact with the people who we care so much about, who have supported us, you know, for decades. Um, and that is from our artistry, from the actors work, the actors have been given the gift. Like, you know, I say this to every person who comes up to me at the con, I am, and they tell me how much they love Rafi. I am so grateful that I've gotten the opportunity to bring Rafi to life. It's been one of the most uh, rewarding experiences of my life. So as an actor, I should be able to celebrate with that with you guys the the work that we've done as artists. So what we want to do is amplify the artist. The AMPTP seems to think that they are the most important thing. We all know, we all know that the writers and the artists are the engines of the car and without us that car is not going to start. So we want to amplify our actors. We want to amplify the their work so, you know, we're asking um, everybody to understand that um, we might, it, the cons might look a little bit different. Uh, you might show up at the table and there you won't see your sort of 
typical um, displays behind us of our shows and the lists of things we, we've done. Instead, we're actually going to let, introduce ourselves as ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, you will see me saying, I'm Michelle Hurd and I'm an actor and thank you so much for coming to, um, to spend some time with me. So this is something that we conscientiously carved out uh, you know, it's also something that um, I don't think the AMPTP realizes as well, is that because of the um, systemic uh, underpayment that we've all been um, subjected to for decades, these cons and through the generosity of our Trekkie families and our, our fans have sustained us. Mm -hmm. This is literally, um, for some of us, the only income that we make. And, and there was no way that we were going to allow the AMPTP with all their egregious um, 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 comments, take this away from us. So, um, you know, we understand how important this is to you guys. It's unbelievably important to us as well. So that was one of the major reasons that we wanted to make sure that we could continue to empower our actors and also embrace the time that we get to spend with our um, with our fans. Thank you. And just for clarification for Michelle, um, for those of our listeners and, and our viewers that are tuning in that do not know what the AMTPT stands for, can you please enlighten us, Michelle? Yes, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Production. Alliance A of Motion M, Production P, and Television uh, pro uh, uh, Production. AMTPT. <laughs> Producers. I messed it up there, but it's Producers. in there. Producers. <laughs> there you go. Yes. It's basically yeah. a, a, a handful of uh, multinational tech companies at this point. Am mm. I right? Wall I mean, Street. it's Wall and Wall Street. Street. And, you know, and this is you're so, you know, Robert, you're really right. Because um, if you think about and this is why we are here where we are in 2023. Yeah. You know, you think back to the days of studios, right? The big studios, Hollywood studios. And and mind you, as the chair of the Sexual Harassment Prevention Committee, back in those days, there was issues too. There was, a you know, the, catch, the casting couch was a real thing. So, but in a weird way, those people loved the artistry of creating movies and films. They loved actors. They, you know, they built actors up. They, they literally produced actors. And that now, was, by the way, back then, that was their only business. They made that was movies. their only business. They made that TV shows business. or movies. That was it. Now they make, right. you know, they were uh, invested in it. Yes. But, well, now, now, now they have scary. satellite companies and telecommunication companies and sports teams, and they have all kinds of things and video games. Yeah. Well, so and, movies. And even more, yeah, even more than that, because now what we have, if we've all seen that, like networks have been bought over by studios and then studios by each other. And it's sort of this big kind of, you know, Pac-Man situation. And there's only going to be one mega thing in the end. We have to realize that after the crash, uh, financial crash, Wall Street was looking for money, uh, places to put their money. Netflix was just starting out back then. That was 10, 15 years ago. And so a lot of Wall Street people started to shovel some money into Netflix because that was a, a lucrative thing that they could just make money off of cut to all these streaming platforms, Wall Street's like, cool, 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 let's all invest. So we have to remember that when we're dealing with these things, we are a part of a portfolio now, yes. a portfolio of a board of directors who are making decisions when, when they when they feel like it. So if you're wondering like why sometimes there's a show that you you really enjoy on a streaming platform, you see it once it's dropped and then you don't see it for a year or two or three or four, that's because that board of directors haven't decided whether they want to invest in that project anymore. So there's not about a, it's not about creatives. There are no more creatives at the top of the chain who mm -hmm. we can um, 
convey some sort of um, humanity, some sort of concept of uh, empathy. This is literally about we are we are a part of a portfolio now of investment. And this is why it's so tricky because they're looking at spreadsheets, financial spreadsheets, and they're thinking that in order to trim the fat, they're going to trim writers and actors out of the fa- out of their their contracts. Unacceptable. Mm. May I say, yes, sir. Uh, just to make everything clear, and Michelle is doing a great job. I really applaud everything she's doing. But just to be clear, the union has many contracts with many different uh, media things. The only contract that's being struck is the television and film, as well as and the subsections of that. So what that means is if you go to a convention and you see a voiceover actor who you know, whose voice you know, they're not on strike. They're except not in, on strike. in the field that we're in. An actor can continue to do uh, games. To games, can continue to do commercials, can continue to- Soap operas, soap yeah, operas. Soap operas, all of that is okay because that contract is not being struck. It's only the film and the television contract and, and of the, the, so that's clear. I don't want anybody who says, why is that person right. working when the union's on strike? It's because they can't. That contract is not under strike. Right. And, and he's absolutely right. TV theatrical is what we're doing. TV theatrical. So basically something like doing voiceover for a game like Star Trek Online is not part of the contract. Is that right? right. Not part of the contract. Okay. Even though Star Trek is still part of the, you know. Yeah. As long as it's under the, the different contract. It might right. be Paramount or, or Star Trek, but but if it's under the other contract, yes, yes, Garrett, go ahead, have a good time, make money. Net code, net code contracts, all good. Okay. Yeah, and, and what Armin was saying, uh, just so everybody knows, SAG-AFTRA is uh, a union of 160,000 people, 160,000 people, which, consi- uh, which consists of singers, dancers, broadcasters, stunt choreographers, stunt workers, um background pilots, artists pilots, artists. Stunt pilots. oh stunt stu- pilots as well background people background that, that's people. under this that's under the stunt um category yeah um uh voiceover artists um for theatrical and tv so Up there's 160,000 people mm-hmm. and just to show how egregious this is normally we have uh somewhere between six and eight weeks to negotiate uh, the Writers Guild got five weeks, and that's about eighteen thousand people, eighteen nineteen thousand. The GGA they 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 saw you know came to an agreement early. We were given three and a half weeks for one hundred and sixty thousand people. When I was first involved with the union, we had about ninety eighty nine thousand members. This is back in the eighties. Okay, I'm really old, and uh, no, I admit you're it. Not. Yes, I am, and and I'm proud of it. And we had probably three times as many people across the negotiating table and the first contract i sat on we had a 12-week schedule so it might have been 10 it might have been 12 but it's about that uh i'm i'm old but i'm i'm not um senile yet (laughs) so that said i i think you can see the difference in the respect we were given as artists yeah and as what we were given now well, that's 12 that's four times 400 percent more time you said 12 weeks compared to three that's crazy oh i have i have a, a question just to kind of uh try to share with people what the issues are and it and, and it sounds like it's very complex with that many members with that many kinds of work there's so many issues but if you had to boil it down to kind of the most important issues 
that that are the problem here? What? How would you describe that? What's at stake? Yeah, well, um, the beautiful thing about our negotiations and uh, this negotiating committee is that we have really strong, very smart representatives in our room of every single category. Mm-hmm. And every single category has some very important um, uh, topics. So everybody is is being taken care of. We are fighting for everybody. So I, I need to say that straight away because it's not like if I mention some things here now, we, you know, this is what we're focusing on and we didn't focus on other stuff. And my sister is a, an Alvin Ailey dancer. So I was incredibly attuned to what they were doing for dancers. You know, um, I mean, how insidious is this, that dancers are are paid less money for rehearsal than they, they are for the film day. Uh, whereas in rehearsals, they have to be um, 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 they're rehearsing for eight, 10 hours, multiple days. That's the time when they get hurt. And yet they're going to pay them less money while they rehearse as the day that they shoot. They don't even have places for the dancers to warm up. And that, that was, that's like a no brainer and they wouldn't even, you know, commit to this. So just saying that we're, you know, everything wow. is, is very important. What I would say that this contract is, um, uh, solidly rooted is rooted in is economics, straight up economics. Um, uh, the things that I fight for, you know, uh, viciously is the options and exclusivity. And that's that whole thing about me going away for five months to shoot a 10 episode um, uh, a series. Uh, the the streaming platform holds that, decides when they want to drop it. They drop it. Then they wait one, two, three years, whether to tell me I'm, I'm the show's picked up or I'm picked up. I'm no longer able to curate my career in that time because I can't get another series regular. I have to get something that will fit in there. Unacceptable. Um, residuals, streaming residuals. Back in the day, uh, if people don't understand, linear television, which was that 22, 26 episodes things that was 10 months of work, We, you know, it, which was a cash cow, by the way, for all the advertising, for all AMPTV. It was a cash cow. There was no reason to break that mold, but they broke that mold. That was what we all, you know, all got used to in the summer. We could do plays, we could do maybe a theater, or we could just hang out with our families because we've been away for 10 months. Hmm. Now we have this ten, this five month thing, drop it for 10, drop them at one time, and then we have to wait. I mean, it's, it's unacceptable. And the residuals that we used to get from streamers would sustain us when we weren't working, would sus- literally, you could sustain yourself and pay your rent. The residuals from streamers almost immediately are double digits, meaning like $10. That's uh, And that's my work. I think if anybody wants to look up Snoop Dogg, he posted something which was very funny. He says, I don't understand the streaming business. You can show me a show that gets a billion views, but you but the artists don't get any money. Something's wrong there. Show me the money. And that's exactly right. Pension and health is, is unbelievably important. So there is a, um, the employers contribute to the SAG after, the, the SAG health and pension, the, uh, uh, um, the after retirement fund, at the pension health is basically what they do. Mm-hmm. They have in those caps have been um, uh, limited to a uh, fee, an episodic fee um, that has not re- been changed since 1983. Mm. Since wow. 1983, for four decades, they have not raised the caps, which would be money in to our insurance company um, to to the you know uh, the health plan, um, so that our artists could have stay have uh, health insurance. AI technology is incredibly dangerous right now. Right now, one of the things that the AMPTP presented was that they will um, hire a extra for one day of work, which is under $200, like $150, maybe $180. That one day of work, they will scan your my person. I, they create an avatar and they can take my avatar and put it in their library 
in perpetuity, in perpetuity, forever and ever. And I will never see one penny from that. They can utilize me in commercials, in films, in whatever they want. So there is self-tapes. Actors are paying in order to audition um, to get a job. The, the list, as you see, goes on and on. And every mm -hmm. single issue is incredibly important. Can I just say something about pension and health? Because I think it's really important. And I'm going to use myself as an example. It, we have been asking for those caps to be raised on pension and health for as long as I can remember from my first negotiation. And uh, furthermore, the cost of health care, as we know in the United States, is egregious. And then on top of that, you have to understand that the actors who do very well subsidize every other actor in the union. The Robin Hood plan. Yeah, it's a Robin Hood. So actors who are making $150,000 are paying for the person who's making $30,000 to have health insurance. And if those numbers aren't going up, if those caps aren't going up, that's not getting subsidized. At the time, I was, I'm a 19-year survivor of pancreatic cancer. At the time I was diagnosed, I, I haven't, I, I've been a working Joe actor all of my life. I, I do some, uh, I'm a guest star, I'm an occasionally a recurring character, I am do a commercial, I, I do a voiceover. But at the time that I was diagnosed, we both had what was then called Plan 1 health insurance. Because of that, we paid less than $5,000 out of a $2 million bill mm -hmm. for my 17 days in Cedar sinai Hospital. Mm, that's right. Just don't have that anymore. They don't have that anymore, and it's because they won't raise the caps. Mm. The healthcare system in this country is under the same problem as what we're under, which is the big corporations are charging all of this money for drugs and all of this money for insurance and all of this money, and the average Joe is getting crushed. This is not just about actors and writers. This is about nope. every laborer in the world. And if, if I may ask you ladies to define something that you both said several times that perhaps the viewers don't understand. We both of you explain caps. Yeah, explain the caps. Excuse yes, me. the caps are the contributions, the employer contributions to um, episodically. They, they, the employers will c contribute episodically to the uh, pension and health plan. Now, that cap is... Uh, I, I can't remember the exact number of that cap, but say it's 25 or 30,000. So uh, I could actually, this is what's insidious. I could actually make $200,000 um, in, in doing a show. The cap is 20 uh, is 30,000. If that's the number, the producers only have to contribute to 30, not to 200,000 mm. to 30. So if I was making a million, they're still contributing to that 30. To 30. And I want to, yeah, and I want to just get it even more clear um, because what Kitty was saying is, you know, is absolutely true. And what's so sad is that we don't even have what she has been speaking about now. Uh, you know, one of the, the misinformation about actors is that we're all sort of rich and famous and we live in penthouses and we have these sort of exotic lives. This is not true. Um, I want to give you an example. The insurance, our health plan right now is $26,000. You need to have 26,000. We no longer have a plan one or a plan two. This is what happened when we almost, the, the health plan almost folded. They had the, the um, trustees had to figure out how can, to keep, they have a fiduciary responsibility to keep that plan afloat. And they had to figure out how to do it. And they, what they had to do was they had to give get rid of the two. They had to combine it into one. They came to a, a number in the middle, which is $26,000. It sounds like maybe some people think that's a lot. Some people think that's not much. Now, listen to this. You think that uh, actors are all stars. 
those actors that you watch on television shows, all the TV series that you guys are watching that have your favorite actors, you, you say, oh, there's that guy on that show. You may not know their names. You say to, for me, oh, there's that girl with the curly hair. Uh, you know, I enjoy her. You don't know my name. Now, maybe one one year I get to do two, three, maybe even four guest spots on a, on popular television shows that you all watch. I have been forced to take what is called top of show which is a minimum amount of money that the AMPTP created. There is no such language in the sag after contracts of top of show that was literally created by AMPTP to basically say, I will not give you more money than this amount if you want to do our show, as if their show is so fantastic. So say I do four of those shows in one year, and I still haven't qualified for health insurance. I need to give you these numbers. 87% of our members, 87% of our members right now have not qualified for, for health insurance. 98% of all of our mem members are working below minimum. That mm. one to 2%, those multimillionaires, they are the ones who are, you know, holding on to our, keeping our, 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 our union afloat. Mm. There's sometimes these discussions about, well, you know, the big A-listers are making millions of dollars. Why don't they take a pay cut so all the other actors can, you know, get some fee? Guess what? Those actors deserve that money because they're making money off of they, their fee is because of the box office that they have brought in for these streamers. You know who could take a, a cut? You know who could take a cut in the money? The CEOs who are getting bonuses. I don't know if you guys saw this. This There was an article that came out Well, when WGA went on strike. And this was an article about Netflix executives who said during the strike, uh, uh, we still want to get our, our bonuses, right? We're still going to get our bonuses. We got those numbers. Uh, their bonuses which is on top of their multi-million dollar salaries, their 25, 35, 40 million dollars that they're making a year, their bonuses were 10 million, 15 million, 17 million, different millions. We, we calculated those, that all equaled up to $168 million in bonuses a year. This is just for Netflix. I'm not talking about all the streamers. Mm. Do you understand, do you wanna know what the comprehensive package would have cost for the WGA's proposal if they, if they agreed to it? 60 million. 60 million. They're making 168 million uh, bonuses. So guess what? I can I can tell you where you can find that money. Not mm -hmm. by asking actors to take a, take a pay cut, by take by asking them to not take their bonuses and mm -hmm. give a, a community of people livelihoods. Yeah, there's there's a I did a little research uh, during as the strike has begun and uh, looked back at one of the shows from my era of of uh the show we've all the the franchise we've all been a part of and that show in its last season cost 1.7 million dollars an episode to make so they spent less than 50 million dollars for the entire season to make that show it mm -hmm. generated over a billion dollars in worldwide profits 50 million dollars for a well over a billion dollar profit mm. That's right. It's insane. So when you Who's bring up money? economics, where not the actors, absolutely <laughs> not the extras, not the guest stars. No. And 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 at least back then, uh, there was some language for reasonable residuals that you could rely on because it was the old broadcast model. It was exactly. strip syndication. Exactly. It was it was first run television. It was reruns. It was, but that model broadcast television, as you say, has been broken, and all of it's their beautiful. money. Yeah, all of their money is into streaming now. They're all invested in it. And uh, yes, we've got to find a way to keep people who want to make acting their profession, not amateurs who show up and get excited for a line on a show. 
when you, I, I direct and produce television now, and I have been on sets where I've hired someone who is not prepared, who is not a professional. That is yeah. not their trade. Yep. And they come in yeah. and suddenly they can't remember their lines. And suddenly the other actors yeah. are getting frustrated and our, the clock is ticking, you know, time is money. And I know how much time and money we have for that day. And that unprofessional actor is making a huge impact on the quality and the efficiency yeah. and the professionalism of our day. And if they destroy Absolutely. the opportunity for working actors to be professionals, to be reliable, to know how to prep a scene, to know their lines, to come in and be prepared, they're going to end up with a lot of amateurs. And that's that's the direction I fear we're headed unless you know actors take a stand, unless everyone involved. Not only that, but we've all seen an episodic show where somebody came in and had one scene and blew us away. Mm -hmm. they, they, there's an episode on the show that you were just doing, Michelle, that shall remain nameless, where a guy came in and played a certain kind of alien, his kind of alien, and was so extraordinary that we were gobsmacked. He was the first version of that alien. We were gobsmacked. Armin said, that's what I should have done when I did the first one on the show before the show I was a regular on. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about here, just to broaden out the, the scope of it, it's the national problem of the inequality of income mm -hmm. that that we are the canary in, in the coal mine mm -hmm. saying this is a problem that, that every industry needs to face and and uh, and we are we are doing our best to not just advocate for for the members of our union or the members of the writers guild but also to tell the world this has got to stop the, the very yeah. number that we've been talking about it's not right it's not fair yeah. You're absolutely right. And and that is one of the things that I, I do keep trying to stress. And, the uh, you know, all of us are here at SAG-AFTRA and, and on the picket line is that this is a labor issue. Yes. It's a labor issue. We are working people. <laughs> We're working class. That's why I, I really wanted to stress that example yeah. of for, doing four guest stars doesn't make me a millionaire. It literally makes me someone who's desperately trying to pay my rent. That's the it. Year, I, Michelle, I, I, I'll tell you a person. I'll tell you a personal anecdote. The year before I got started, actually, yes, the year before I got started, I made $13,000 as an actor. Yeah. I said, I said the word. I didn't mean to say that. But $13,000? I, I made, yes. The Before I came into this franchise and was a part of the gift that you talk about, Michelle, mm. I had a, a very tough year. I had two young children. A family. I was the sole breadwinner in that family, mm. and I was only able to earn thirteen thousand mm. dollars. Yeah, and, uh, and you're, you're saying like, when was that? That was nineteen ninety four. Right, and that's happening now, twenty twenty three. Remember, eighty seven percent of our members have not qualified for health insurance, which is twenty six thousand. That's twenty six. Eighty seven percent have not, and ninety eight percent are are working below. So that was 1990. This is 2023, and it's still happening. Still Even more happening. agreed. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. So far this year, I have done a feature, a television job, and four voiceovers, and I'm not any. And I'm a senior citizen, so I can't use residuals, and I'm nowhere near qualifying for health insurance. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's unacceptable. It's mm -hmm. unacceptable. You know, you 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 know, I want to. I wish I could plead to somebody's, you know, um, you know, somebody who has empathy, because we could use a perfect example of the pandemic. The pandemic happened. Everybody shut down. We were in our houses. What did everybody do? 
What did everybody do to, you know, soothe their souls, to feel connected, to uh, break out of a depressive space, to find some light and happiness? They went to content to mm -hmm. the streamers. They went to see us performing. They yeah. went to, to hear people tell them stories, to be swept away, to be taken out of their houses and to be on, you know, um, you know, to be on something because we are important. We're not, and somebody, I can't remember who just says, this is not a hobby. It's not something cute. It's not something that we just decided to dip in and let's see what we can do. This is a real profession and it me and it's incredibly important for the, and I'm, I know this is not hyperbole, but this it's in, incredibly important for developmental um, balance <laughs> in human beings. It's how we express ourselves, how we, it's a common language, music, dance, acting, telling this, the arts, this is part of our, our makeup as human beings and to be marginalized and to be uh, 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 told that we're the fat and they need to trim. I mean, you guys, if anybody saw that quote, we actually put it on a whiteboard, a white chalkboard in our room, in our caucus room to remind us every now and then we would look up the quote when the, that person said, we're just going to wait for the writers to lose their homes and then they'll come and take whatever agreement we meet, we want. We're going wow. to wait for them to lose their homes. This is who we're dealing with. This mm. is who we're dealing this is This is why we are, you know, reaching out to the world and, and hoping that people are hearing. This is about corporate greed. This is literally the world in a microcosm of, act, of the acting industry. Mm. This divide has become so huge and the disconnect with the human impact of that greed is so um, is so deep and and ugly that we have to stop. We have to make a change now. It's it's now or never. I worked on a, a show. Uh, you talk about greed and about uh, spreadsheets and accountants running this business now. I, I produced a show a few years ago. Uh, we we only filmed one season, but it was very popular and very beloved. And uh, it was on the streamer. And this year, the streamer just took it off, took the whole show off mm. because they needed a tax write-off. <laughs> they needed a loss. And so they came up with their four or five, six shows that, oh, those numbers seem to match the tax write-off we need. So they just took them away. So people yeah. that love that show, it doesn't matter because it's about the spreadsheet. And so the disconnect you talk about between the human experience there are it may not be as big as another show that the show that i worked on but it was beloved and it was it was just sad and painful to see this this streamer just it's a write off it's a number on a spreadsheet you know we're just going to get you're rid absolutely of it. right you know it's 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 that and it's even more insidious because we had this discussion in the room they with them they're so their whole concept is that we, you know, it's a streaming platform. So we have to continue to bring eyes on, right? So they're saying to us, people only watch 10 episodes and only will stay on for maybe three years. So we have to cancel those things and bring in a new shiny object so that people mm. can will watch it. It's also, if they wait till five years, they have to end up paying more money. So literally, so I encourage everybody to go to your streamers, go to your things and look at what the seasons are. The majority of, of streaming shows as you just said, could be incredibly popular or even little, basically get three seasons yeah. on purpose. They're doing this on purpose. It doesn't even it doesn't even matter if the show was successful or not. They cut it off because they're looking for the next eye to get an, a, a streamer. So they cancel that. 
you know, wash it away, bring in new stars, shine us up, make us look pretty and say, look, there's a new show. Come take, you know, come join our streamers. And then they wait three years. And and again, let's all remember those three years or I should say three seasons, three seasons. Yes. Right. Those three seasons could take five, six, eight years to shoot. And remember, that means I'm shooting for five months and waiting a couple of years till I get picked up to do the second of those 10 episodes. And that's the money I'm supposed to sustain on. I'm supposed to take care of my family, my children, my health, my, my rent, my electricity. This, this is, it's, it's insane. It's insane. It is. insane. I currently produce a show that we are about to start the fifth year that I've been working on that show. Um, in the fall, it will be five years that I've been working on it. We've aired two seasons. Two seasons. Two in five years. Yes. Mm. Two seasons in five years. And those actors, as you described, Michelle, have been locked in to their contract with this studio. And do they and... get any money for waiting? Nope. No. That's, no, no money. That's important to know. No one gets a penny while they're waiting for somebody to make a decision. I, I want to add one more thing about this cast. Two seasons, five years, and our lead actor had an opportunity to do something that he was passionate about, but he had to ask the studio, and they decided no. It was competitive to their show. Mm-hmm. So he, he was told, oh. no, you can't even do this this thing that you want to do that doesn't conflict with our show that's taken five years for two seasons. So it's. I, I just wanted to I have the, give that I had the same thing when I was doing my show, um, that in my interim, there was another show that wanted me to do a recurring and my streamers said that uh, I wasn't allowed to, wasn't allowed to, I wasn't allowed to, but I, I need to make a, a clarification. So we were, uh, SAG-AFTRA negotiated with Netflix uh, in the fall, I believe it was in the fall. And now because Netflix was not an, a member of the AMPTP moving forward, Netflix will be part of the AMPTP, okay? The contract that we vetted out with Netflix, we were able to to procure a, what I call, a conflict-free zone, because that's what it feels like, where the actor can now um, uh, seek uh, work, uh, you know, in between. We also was able to put in there that every, um, you know, before there was a... uh, they had something like mm, anywhere from 27 to 40 months uh, to whether they can tell us whether we were picked up or not. Right now, what, what it is, is that they have 18 months from the beginning of, of shooting photography, from the beginning of shooting photography. So that's, you know, five, six months. So you have now 12 months, which is understandable because there's if you're doing some sci fi show, there's a lot of months of taking, you know, to do sci- uh, CGI and all that stuff. But now after that 12 months moment, Netflix has to pay the artists one episodic fee and it's not an episodic fee that will come out of their future job it's just the amount of money that they were paid um to hold the artist for another three months Mm. and then another three months and another three months so they have to do it three times and after the third time they can't do it anymore they can they, they 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 can't do it anymore you can't hold the artist so it's not it's not um it's not perfect but mm-hmm. we were trying to carve out a way to help our artists at least do work. And this is on the down low, even though we're doing this thing and hundreds of people can hear. This is my advice to my brothers and sister, my actors. Ask for forgiveness instead of permission. 
go do your other job, go get that other thing, show the world that they don't, that you're not going to confuse people because you're on one show and you do a guest on another thing. Go get that job and say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. After don't ask them for permission. And if I may, if I may just add economics to what Michelle just said and what we're all talking about, let me tell everybody's out there the economics of an actor's paycheck. Okay. We've been, we've been listing numbers of, of what people get. Now I'm going to tell you what the, what the net pay is. First of all, if you, most everybody has an agent, that's 10% of your pay of the gross disappears. A lot of people have managers that can be anywhere from 10 to 20% of your gross disappears. The federal government and the state government take about a third of your paycheck. So now you're taking home less than 50% of the money that is your paycheck. And that's that what we have to live on. And then on top of that, if you're working out of town, they give you a teeny little amount of money to move. It doesn't really cover the move and live out of town. You're still paying, say, your spouse or your partner and your children are living back home. So you're supporting two households. Households. Two households. That on top of it is... That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I'm I'm ending up paying to be on a show. I'm paying to be Mm -hmm. on a TV show, a show that is making billions of dollars. Yeah, a lot of these actors that do shows out of town that I have worked with, they have to put down a security deposit. They have to. So before their first paycheck, they've put out thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars in mm-hmm. realtor fees for an apartment in New York and your first and last month's rent and all, you know, furnishing the place. And they have not even shot one day of film. They've they've fronted the company. This That's exactly company. right. So, so it's a, one of the and it's one of the um uh one of the things that we are proposing is the relocation fee um percentage and and you know just so you guys know that's also in our package it's also in our package yeah because most actors work out of town now back when I first started in television in the eighties most everything shot in Los Angeles it was you know a fraction of the shows shot out of town now yeah. most like everything majority, shoots out of town majority of it yes, yes absolutely majority. Also, the other thing is, is that if you're working out of town on a film and they're supposed to give you a per diem so that you can live in whatever place you're staying and pay for food and all that stuff, they're supposed to pay it up front, but they don't. So say you're a a working Joe actor who's working for scale and all of a sudden you're running up your credit card so you can eat Mm -hmm. or you're going to the set even on the days you're not working so that you can eat off the craft service table. It's exactly it, right. It's it's really I know people think that's oh you're complaining about this swell nope. life, but it's you know you're working fourteen or fifteen hours a day and the next day you want to sleep in but you can't because you want to eat breakfast and you don't have the money to buy it in the hotel. Don't you don't have the money to buy breakfast and this is and again this is one of these things as as Kitty was saying for all these years we've always known that when we go away you show up at production and they give you your money for your per diem your per diem to pay for your lot you know being able to eat or to get from a to b this is my money my per diem mm-hmm. now because once again it was introduced to us by producers it's easier for them in their budgeting on their spreadsheets to add it into your paycheck to give you a check at the end of uh, payment cycles. It's easier for them. So this is what we're going to do from now on. Do they, they don't even realize, because again, again, 
They're thinking actors are somehow we're just rich and famous. We're not. Sometimes literally that per diem that I'm going to get when I get there is the money that I have in my pocket that I'm so thankful that I have that. They've also done another thing where they call they have now advanced pay, which is <laughs> which we call wage invasion because advanced pay is oh, we're not sure what the residuals will be. So, you know what, we're going to pay you advance of the of what you possibly may make. That advanced pay is somewhere buried in your paycheck. So mm -hmm. you're not sure if this is is this my paycheck? Is this part of my advanced pay? My managers and my produce uh, agents. Can, are commissioning it. I don't know where my my residuals are now. I mean, it's 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 so. Um, and all of this, all of this is to benefit <laughs> a business affairs, the people yeah. who are making the monies and making the contracts, not the actors, mm. not the ones who are hustling to to make a dollar. Right. And if I may, very quickly, of course the stars can negotiate better things. Of course, of course. they can. And by stars, I don't mean the working joes that that are sitting here. I'm talking about the people who command million dollar uh, uh, revenues. One percent. The one. The rest of us, the union, like the union is for most of America. The union is what protects us from the people who are who are trying to squeeze out, uh, squeeze out every dime they can. And in that effort, is eliminating professions. I'll tell you why I got involved in the union, and this is a long time ago. I did a movie directed by a famous director, and for seven weeks they forced our call every day, which means that we got less than twelve hours between of rest time of rest time between when we left. So sometimes we were working. By the time I'd drive home and drive back to the west side, I would get five hours of sleep. Mm. Sometimes I'd sleep in my trailer, and I couldn't get them to pay us. It took five years. Wow! I got that money. Wow. So it, it, it's it's it just it's heartbreaking. It's it's absolutely heartbreaking. Well, uh, is there anything else that we haven't covered? I mean, we could yeah, talk about this. If I may, one of the things yeah. that Michelle and and, uh, and Kitty can talk about. But if people feel that they'd like to help, here's the one thing I suggest. The union has an emergency fund for the people who are going to suffer in our union from this strike. And it's probably going to be a long strike. So if people feel that they'd like to help, you can make a contribution to the to the Screen Actors Guild Foundation and and donate so that uh, they have funds in order to, to donate to the members who are struggling with the strike. And it's not, by the way, the strike doesn't just affect the members. Unfortunately, in, in the areas where filming is done, it's going to affect other people as well. It's going to affect all the people that are behind the camera, but it's also going to affect the dry cleaners, the restaurants, the the gardeners, all those people that get paid either by the studios or by the by the uh, creatives, those people are going to suffer too. But for the creatives, you can donate to the uh, emergency fund at the Screen Actors Guild Foundation. We have yes, SAGAFTRAFoundation.org. Yeah, great. Thank you, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Also, reach out to the reach out to the streamers you watch and say, hey, we want you to make a deal. Yeah. Just everybody just reach out and say, we want you to make a deal that's reasonable for these performers. Yeah. For these writers. And I advocate that you do not cancel your streaming services. And here's why. Because when the strike is over, we need there to be a workplace to go back to work. Mm -hmm. So if, if those things all go out of business, we don't want that either because we want them to continue to provide entertainment 
and selfishly to provide employment. Yeah, 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 and I and just one other side note about the contracts because um you know I I would be remiss if I don't speak as a person of color because I always when I open my mouth it's generally I speak from a POC LGBTQ world PWD uh, because I I can't uh, sit silent when I see marginalized people being um, abused. Uh, one of the things that I just want to just another window into what's going on in our world as actors, people of color when they walk into hair makeup trailers have systemically been. Um, uh, have had physical um, scars upon their bodies because uh, maybe a barber doesn't know how to do to shave a black man's face. Mm. Uh, these black men have been have walked around with physical scars on their face when they came to shoot a movie. Black women, uh, uh, almost every black woman you will, or black yeah woman that you would ever speak to wakes up two to three hours prior to their call to do their own hair. They come to set with their own makeup because they're they're never given their uh, proper foundation. Some of our actresses, Yvette Nicole Brown, was told to go to special effects to get a foundation. Oh. Um, so we're equity in those rooms um and you know just just want i want all of our people to know that um i'm fighting for everybody here and and uh it's time to change uh and i thank you so much Armin, for saying that you know we would really appreciate any contributions this is going to be a painful um strike already the majority 98 percent of our hundred and sixty thousand members uh are are working below um, and, and are struggling to make a living. So I thank you all for um, saying that and um, for amplifying this. And, and I appreciate everybody who's listening who wants to learn a bit more about what this strike is. It's not about elitists. It's about laborers. It's about the working class. We are you and you are us. There's one other thing I think you can do. If you're on social media and you hear people going, oh, those entitled actors or oh, those entitled tell them the truth. Yeah. Tell them what Michelle just said, because it's yeah. really important. And if... 15% of the people who hear this gave a dollar to the SAG Foundation, it would make a difference in people's life. Mm -hmm. It really would. Yeah. It really would. I pick it almost every day. I was at Warner Brothers today and I saw a friend of mine who's made her, her health insurance every year since she's 15. She's 60. This year she didn't make it for the first time. Oh, wow. 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 45 years. I mean, it, you know, right off the bat, 87% cannot make the the cutoff for health insurance of the 160,000 that's 139,000 members that can't get health insurance including myself i don't have health insurance from sag robbie doesn't have health insurance from sag either you know it's just it's unbelievable that this is what and and everyone you're right most people have this misconception every actor is rich and famous you know they, they have un, unlimited funds and it's almost like the big wigs in wall street also are thinking the same thing about us yes. too they're like oh they got enough money we can cut off their you know pay anytime this is fine exactly. so this is yeah. this is the issue you know so everyone please whatever support you can you can lend to this movement we would much appreciate it and Robbie and I just want to thank Armin Kitty and of course, the lovely Michelle Hurd for being here. Um, we appreciate all of you and we love you. And thank you for illuminating and giving us yes, more you. information. And our, of all of our listeners, yeah, Solidarity. they're going to love us. Mm -hmm. Solidarity, exactly. Solidarity. Union strong, my friends. There Union you go. strong. Thank you. Thank you.